Can you imagine mortgage payments being withdrawn from your account without your consent? Getting harassed by debt collectors? There are some situations where you need a consumer rights attorney. In this episode, I chat with Taylor Kosla about how to protect yourself as a consumer and how consumer rights attorneys may be able to help. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show, the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing someone who can help you out with debt collection and consumer needs, and that is Taylor Kosla. Taylor joined Agris Law Firm in August 2017 and was recently promoted to partner in February 2021. Agris Law Firm LLC focuses on consumer law and personal injury and represents consumers harassed by debt collectors and individuals and families who have suffered an injury or loss due to an accident. Taylor is a Chicagoland native, and she recently completed her undergraduate studies at University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign before receiving her law degree from Chicago-Kent College of Law. She concentrates her legal practice on cases involving debt collection harassment, credit report problems, car accidents, and nursing home abuse cases. Outside her legal practice, Taylor enjoys spending time with her family, friends, and fiance. She loves traveling, cooking, and playing golf. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, super excited. So I'm so curious to hear how you got into this field and kind of your personal experience with the work that you do. Definitely. Um, So I started in college working at various personal injury firms. I always knew that I wanted to be an attorney and I immediately just at a young age wanted to get experience at different personal injury firms. Uh, After taking the bar exam, I started working at Agris Law Firm, which we do personal injury and consumer law. Consumer law was a totally new area of law for me to learn. And I I really enjoy what we do because I think 90% of people actually have some consumer-related issue, and we can help them. Um, and I myself was a recent victim of a consumer issue, and fortunately, I had you know the knowledge and experience on how to deal with it. I'm not sure if you caught one recently of what happened with Mr. Cooper and Nason Star Mortgage, but Mr. Cooper is a mortgage servicing agency, and over the weekend, they withdrew multiple mortgage payments from their client's checking account. Oh, wow. Yes, all of whom were customers of Chase Bank. And we're talking hundreds, maybe thousands of customers to wake up and discover significant withdrawals from their checking account. Many of them had never even set up auto pay. So you can imagine. (gasps) That's so awful. 
Yeah, so you can imagine the surprise of these customers that wake up and they're like, where did all this money just go? Um, one person actually reached out to us and said that Mr. Cooper withdrew seven payments from their account that resulted in over $10,000 in unauthorized withdrawals from their accounts. And as you can imagine, a lot of people also incurred insufficient funds or overdraft fees as a result of these unexpected withdrawals. While I'm not a part of the recent Mr. Cooper scandal, I was a victim of this exact scenario just a few weeks ago. I received a letter in the mail notifying me that our mortgage was being transferred to another company, which is not unusual in the mortgage industry. I was actually pleasantly surprised by this news because the new servicer was who I bank with. Oh, nice. And in my head, I'm like, great, checking, savings, mortgage, all in one app. I can see everything every morning, log in, make sure everything's okay. Up until that point, I had had a great experience with my financial institution. Well, the letter indicated that the next mortgage payment would be due mid-month due to this transfer of servicing. Prior to that, my mortgage payment was due on the first of each month. Well, to my surprise, a withdrawal was made from my account on the first with the previous servicer. Mm -hmm. I knew something was fishy about it, but I was like, okay, maybe they are just continuing to withdraw on the first rather than the 15th. Well, Sure enough, on the 15th, I check my account and there is another payment pending, another mortgage payment. And I was like, oh, no, like I need to do something about this. So I immediately called my bank and I spoke with a representative in the mortgage department. I explained the situation and I told them the pending transaction was not authorized. I'm like, look at my checking account. You already took the payment on the first. This is the second payment within two weeks. I pleaded with him to check my checking account. And he's like, I can't help you. You need to speak to a different department, the checking account department. And I knew that obviously they would send me right back to the mortgage department. Regrettably, he offered to open a case for me so that they could investigate my allegations. That would take up to 10 days. So I immediately start thinking about the what ifs. What if I didn't have enough money in my account to cover that second transaction? What if it would show on my credit report as a missed payment? What if I incurred all these fees? Fortunately, I'd had enough money in my account for that second transaction, but I always put myself in the shoes of my clients. And in that moment, I was helpless. I called, spoke with someone who couldn't help me. I expected to call this bank and them to immediately be able to say, yes, we see your payment. We will cancel this right away. And that didn't happen. And sure enough, the payment was withdrawn a couple days later. And then days after that, I received like an apology letter. And really, there was nothing else for me to do other than what I did. And that's why there are consumer protection laws out there, because consumers in situations like this, they are helpless and there's there's nothing that can be done. So did you get the money back? I did. And I got uh, several apology letters from my financial institution and the previous server, sir, explaining what happened. But I was really just disappointed that I couldn't just call and be like, just stop 
just cancel the transaction. It sounds like something that is so simple. And fortunately, I'm someone that does track money in my account and saw that it was pending. Um, you know, so I thought I'd be able to catch it before funds were even taken out. But there's a it's almost scary to know that someone can just take funds out of your account without any authorization to do so. Yeah, that's super scary. And yeah, you feel like, oh, there's a mistake. Let me just go fix it. Call somebody. They'll help me. They'll cancel it and I'll move on with my life. And then instead it becomes this huge saga where it's 10 days, two weeks, every single day you're wondering, when am I going to get my money back? Am I going to get my money back? And I'm glad you mentioned like being in the shoes of your clients. Like a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. A lot of people, especially currently with the pandemic and unemployment, are dealing with precarious financial situations. A lot of people can't afford to have a secondary transaction that's a mistake, you know, happen like this. So I'm curious, what would you recommend to people in this kind of situation? How can they advocate for themselves? You need to contact a consumer rights attorney because in this situation, the Electronic Funds Transfer Act was violated. And that essentially says an unauthorized transaction out of your account is a violation of the law. And the great thing about the EFTA and other consumer protection laws is they contain a fee shift provision. That means if we prevail, the defendant has to pay our attorney's fees and costs. So our services are free to the client. They don't pay us a penny. In addition to that, the law provides for the consumer to get statutory damages between zero and $1,000. And that's just kind of to compensate them for what happened. And then they also get actual damages. So that would be the amount that was withdrawn, any fees associated with it, um, and anything else that kind of escalated from it that is out-of-pocket costs to the client. Oh, that's so good to know. Thanks so much for sharing. And so I know you work as a consumer rights attorney, and you also deal with a lot of people who are in debt and dealing with debt collection. You know, if someone right now is dealing with being harassed with debt collection, what is some advice that you have for them right now? I have three pieces of advice for someone who is experiencing debt collection. First, if you have debt, don't ignore it. Try to take care of your debt by settling it for a lesser amount with the debt collector or the creditor or agree to a payment plan that you can afford to keep up with. It's also important to monitor your credit report. I advise clients to review their credit reports with a fine tooth comb to make sure there's nothing inaccurate on there. A credit report contains a ton of information And it's important that all that information is correct. Third, if you're being harassed by a debt collector, maybe you're receiving calls at all hours of the day and night, they're contacting your friends and family, or you're threatened with a lawsuit, contact an attorney to see if your rights have been violated. Oh, that's such great advice. And yeah, I definitely recommend people check their credit report at annualcreditreport.com. And I'm curious for the people that are experiencing debt collection and they're coming to you for help. I know you've seen firsthand the kind of mental health toll that it takes. You know, what are the types of things that you're seeing when it comes to the mental health cost related to debt collection? 
My client's mental health or mental well-being is undoubtedly affected by having debt and with debt collection. Most of our consumer clients fell on hard times at some point. Maybe a family member who was a provider became ill and they couldn't keep up with bills, payments, medical bills. Our clients feel embarrassed and sometimes ashamed of this. One of the first questions we ask on intake is, do you owe this debt? There's always a pause after we ask that question. And then the client, when they tell us they do owe the debt, they want to tell us a story of how they ended up with the debt. They want us to know that they never intended not to pay back the debt, but they just couldn't for one reason or another. And I feel they feel obligated to tell this story because of shame or embarrassment. And this is a common feeling and it has definitely become more widespread since the pandemic. Sometimes the consumer asks, yes, I still owe the debt, but didn't they still violate the law? And absolutely, that, that's true. And another reason why we ask about whether the debt is owed, because if the debt's not owed, that's an allegation that we want to include in the complaint. They're collecting on a debt not owed. The other reason is because we can often negotiate debt waiver as a part of settlement, which is something that our clients are incredibly grateful for. You can actually feel the weight taken off our client's shoulders through the phone when we tell them, you know, maybe we got a debt that was $2,500 waived when that's more than the statutory damages the law even provides for. This debt waiver also gives our clients a sense of finality. They no longer have to worry about family and friends being contacted by debt collectors, being served with a lawsuit, or the account being passed on to another collector. All these stresses that are incurred with debt and debt collection. We also ask for trade line deletion, meaning for the account to be removed from our client's credit report. When we're able to secure this, in addition to the debt waiver, it's as if the debt never existed. What a relief. Wow, that's so fascinating. And yeah, I'm so glad that you brought up all these points because I think for people who are in debt, obviously it's so important to recognize that there is a huge mental health toll and a lot of them are feeling embarrassed and ashamed by owing this debt and then becoming behind and that can just kind of keep them further in denial of actually, you know, not taking action which can just worsen the problem. And then I think on the other hand for people who are not in that situation but who may have preconceived ideas or judgments about who are these people in debt collection? They must just be, you know, lazy or not paying off their debt or whatever. I think it's really important for us to take a more compassionate, nuanced view of people who are experiencing debt collections that, as you mentioned, maybe they're dealing with a sick elder or a caregiver where life happens and things get out of hand. And then it's like, oh, I'm dealing with my mom who has cancer or my husband passed away or my child is ill or I lost my job and I'm just trying to stay afloat and things happen. And so I'm so glad that you brought that perspective. I think it's really important for all consumers to realize 
these various financial situations. And then for people who are actually in them, or if you were to experience this at some point in your life, to realize that there is no shame in being in debt. People get into debt every single day for various different reasons. And the most important thing is to continue to take action. It sounds like your service provides a lot of relief for people. It does. And unfortunately, I I do think that a lot of that embarrassment and shame prevents people from reaching out to an attorney for help. And maybe they're concerned about the cost of an attorney. But as I discussed earlier, that fee shift provision, Congress created that because they knew it is very likely that consumers who are being harassed over a debt could not afford to hire an attorney. So really, the consultations are free. And the things that we can do with, you know, statutory damages, debt waiver, trade line deletion, you can really get these people out of a tough situation and help their mental well-being so much. Oh, I love that. You know, with my work, with my blog, Dear Debt, which I started way back when in 2013, you know, I've seen so many people contact me via email, via comments who are suicidal because of their debt. And it just, it breaks my heart because I feel like I constantly repeat, you know, debt is not a death sentence and you are not alone. You are not alone. And so I'm curious from your perspective, what are people's legal options when facing a debt that feels insurmountable that may be leading to suicidal ideation? If you have large debts that you cannot repay or being harassed by debt collectors, you're behind on your mortgage payments or you're facing foreclosure, You should consult with a bankruptcy attorney. In some cases, bankruptcy can eliminate your debts. But before filing for bankruptcy, it is worth contacting your creditors to see if they're willing to negotiate with you. Settle for a lesser amount. Agree to a payment plan. I find that a lot of these creditors are more willing to work with you than than people think. And that's a way of you know, either significantly reducing the balance and it'll slow down those calls and letters that you're getting to try and collect. Maybe it'll prevent a lawsuit from being filed against you. Although we don't handle bankruptcy cases and I'm not well versed on the subject, I believe most bankruptcy consultations are free. And once the bankruptcy is filed, it should be put a stop to communications from debt collectors and creditors. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I'm curious, it sounds like you've dealt with so many different situations where consumer rights are threatened or consumers are being harassed. So what are some situations that may arise that consumers may deal with? And also, what are some ways that consumers can protect themselves? So common harassment that we see from debt collectors are Calling consumers after they say stop calling, calling them between the hours of 9 p.m. and 8 p.m. that consumer's local time. The law also requires certain disclosures and communications from debt collectors. They need to disclose the caller's identity and the fact that the communication is an attempt to collect a debt. Some debt collectors contact their third parties. Disclosing a debt to a third party is a violation of the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. To protect consumers from this harassment and in general to protect their finances, as we discussed earlier, it's really important to closely monitor your credit report. 
Federal law allows you to get a free copy of your credit report every 12 months. Just like you, we recommend annualcreditreport.com. It gives you a free copy, PDF copy of your credit report from Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Once you have a copy of your credit report, make sure everything is accurately reporting from the account balances, last payment date, payment history, account status, and if something is not accurate, you should dispute it with the credit bureaus. After disputing it, they have 30 days to investigate your dispute, and they do this by contacting the furnisher or the entity that is furnishing the information to the credit bureaus. If the inaccuracy is not fixed after the investigation is complete, the bureaus and possibly the furnisher may have violated the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and you should contact an attorney for a free consultation. Again, the Fair Credit Reporting Act is another statute with a fee shift provision, so you will never pay an attorney out of pocket. It provides statutory damages between zero and $1,000 and actual damages, so out-of-pocket expenses that consumer might have incurred. Maybe they got a higher interest rate on a loan, or maybe they were denied credit as a result of this inaccuracy. You also want to see if there is any information on your credit report that is not familiar to you or that does not belong to you. For instance, an address that you've never lived at, an account that you're not aware of, or inquiries that are not authorized, these might be signs of identity theft and you should take action immediately. Lastly, don't hesitate to reach out to a consumer rights attorney. Um, that feature provision, it's there to help consumers who can't afford an attorney. I will tell you, we have a 100% success rate at correcting a, or getting a credit report fixed for an FCRA case, which is huge. Our clients never pay us a penny out of pocket, um, and it's, it's great relief for consumers that they should take advantage of. Oh, that's such great advice, and I had no idea. And yeah, just to kind of bring it back to debt collection and also credit monitoring. I think this is super important. So I'll share two quick stories for people about my own experience with debt collection and also credit monitoring. So I remember this must have been maybe two or three years ago at this point, but I remember getting a call from a debt collector. And this was many years after paying off my student loans and I pay off my credit card every single month. And so they called me and they were like, is this Melanie? And I was like, uh, yes. And they like said, do you live here? And they said my address. And I was like, uh, yes. And that's when I knew that it wasn't like a scammer because they had my address. And they were like, you know, we're calling to collect a debt from the city of LA, da, 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 da. And I was like, I don't owe any money. And they were like, no, but we're calling, da, 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 da. To make a long story short, so when you're self-employed, you pay quarterly taxes. And so in January, you're supposed to pay for the previous year. Well, I had accidentally put the current year instead of the previous year. And so the IRS had told me, oh, by the way, there's a discrepancy like you owe money. And then I was like, oh, that's my bad. For the January Q1, I put the current year instead of for the previous year. So I had sent all my paperwork in to say, actually, this payment was supposed to be allocated for the previous year, not the current year. Apparently, that letter was stuck in some bureaucratic like 
triangle lost and that triggered like a lost payment. And so then the city of LA like had their debt collector people call me and try to get like $10,000 in a tax payment. And luckily I was like, no, I promise you, like I sent this letter, I did this and this and this. And I contacted the city of LA and then (laughs) they were like, oh, this letter, we found it, but it was just kind of sitting here. And luckily the situation was resolved, but I had to be really strong and be like, I'm not paying this. I don't owe money. I know you're wrong. And so I just made sure that I kept everything in writing. And, you know, once I got everything cleared up with the city of LA, then I was like, you need to give me a PDF saying that this is no longer an issue and that I'm paid in full. And I have that for my records, you know, so that was an interesting experience because they definitely, you know, are very kind of rude, um, harassing, very insistent. And I was very insistent because I was like, I hate debt and I'm terrified of debt. Like there's no way that I owe money. And then, you know, they use your personal information to try to scare you. And luckily, because I knew I didn't owe money, I was just really insistent. But you have to keep a paper trail, you have to kind of see where you could have made any errors. And like I said, I made a simple mistake of putting the wrong year on my tax payment. And so it triggered this IRS penalty, and all this stuff. And then in regards to credit monitoring, I'm actually signed up for Credit Karma's credit monitoring service. And I remember one day I got an email and they were like, oh, you just opened an account with Old Navy. And I was like, I have not been in an Old Navy in like a decade. Like, that's definitely not me. And so I clicked on it and it said that I had a new credit card with Old Navy. And luckily, because I had that credit monitoring service and it's free, I just got an email. I was able to call right away before any charges were to that card. I canceled it. And that was, you know, scary too, because it's like, who is opening a credit card at Old Navy in my account? But I was able to cancel it right away because I had those protections in place, like credit monitoring. So, you know, those are my personal experiences with debt collection and credit monitoring. And it's just wild, you know, what people can do to try to get money or or commit fraud against your personal information. Yeah. So, you brought up a lot of great things. Um, so debt collectors, one of the first thing that they do when they get a consumer on the phone is they verify their address, date of birth, and social, which is, you know, that's personal information. So a lot of people are unwilling to give that information over the phone. Um, you can actually ask for the debt collector to send you, send you written verification of the debt and they can send it. They should have all your information on file. And they are really just confirming that it's actually you that they're speaking with because instead of you, if they're speaking to a family member or a friend and they continue to discuss the debt, they're disclosing the debt to a third party. And that is a violation of the law. So that's a big reason why they do that. A lot of our clients are concerned that whoever they're speaking with is a scam company rather than a legitimate debt collector. And a lot of times that is the case. Uh, We also see a lot of debt collection agencies that are not really legitimate. They operate under certain names. They're not registered with the Secretary of State's website. Um, We see DocuSign being abused quite often, um, sending what looks like very legitimate correspondence to clients to get them to pay and sign off on 
payment plans and things like that. Um, so your concern that they weren't actually legitimate is very valid. And a lot of consumers deal with that. As far as disputing a debt, you do have a right to dispute a debt and it should be in writing. It's best to keep written records of everything. If you can send a dispute letter to a debt collector with tracking to ensure that they got it, um, once they receive it, they have to cease collection the account for 30 days. Sometimes the collection ceases indefinitely because they can't provide a validation of the actual debt. Other times they just continue to collect. And in that circumstances, they're violating the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. If you think believe that you are a victim of identity theft, we always advise clients to file a police report right away. It helps if there is information on your credit report to share that information with the police. So it's very detailed. Hey, this visa was opened in my name and it doesn't belong to me. And then they can also conduct an investigation and try and find out you know, who the identity thief actually is. There is an FTC affidavit, too, that you can prepare. We like to attach those to a dispute letter before sending it to the bureaus to dispute inaccurate information on your credit report, which I forgot to mention earlier. If you are sending a dispute letter and you have any evidence to support your claim, you should definitely attach it. In writing, again, it's best to send those dispute letters, print them out, send it to each of the bureaus with your evidence and keep a copy for yourself and then just monitor that 30-day period when they have to complete their investigation. Oh, that's such great information. And so I'm curious, like, what are other situations that consumers should be aware of when it comes to, you know, identity theft or fraud or debt collection? Like, what are some situations that you commonly see in your practice? Um, we see a lot of phone calls. So most of the correspondence or communications we deal with between a consumer and a collection agency, it's usually conversations over the phone. We see a lot of threats to take legal action. They will use that information that they have against you. Maybe they ran a background check. They know who your employer is. They'll threaten to contact your employer. They'll threaten to send garnishment papers to your employer. They will give you the name of your employer, the address. Oh, we're contacting so-and-so. As you can imagine, this terrifies most consumers. Um, they will threaten to place liens on your property. They'll give you a specific address. They will threaten to place a lien on your car, giving you the model and year. This is all information that they can pretty much scrub um, to use against you to get you to make a payment. And although sometimes legal action is taken against consumers who have outstanding debt, these threats must be within the statute of limitation and the debt collector must intend to take that action, which more often than not, we see that these are just empty threats to try and get a consumer to pay money. And, you know, unfortunately it happens sometimes that they're scared. They don't want their employer contact. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. So they pay money. However, under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, we can claim those payments made in reliance of these threats as actual damages and hope to get them back for the, to the client. Oh, that's great to hear. That's so interesting. 
So I'm curious, what are some inspiring stories or cases you've worked on with positive results? Fortunately, we have a lot of positive results. We've settled over 6,500 cases. I have a lot of compassion for both our consumer and personal injury clients, but um, I actually had a family member who suffered a life-altering injury, and I've experienced firsthand the struggles financially and mentally of how one incident, a matter of minutes or seconds, can permanently impact someone's life and the life of people surrounding them. An accident is really just the beginning of a series of struggles and hardships, which is why it's important to retain an attorney right away to get ahead of what's to come. An easy example of this is when someone's in a car accident and doesn't hire an attorney. They need medical treatment, but don't have health insurance, and they're afraid to get the treatment that they need because they can't afford it. Or maybe they're getting treatment and each month they're getting bill after bill that they know they can't keep up with. The stress, the anxiety, it's, it's building, you know, each month as these bills come. People think when they go to the hospital, there's one bill associated with that visit. And that's actually not true. It's usually you get a bill from the hospital. You get a bill from maybe each provider, a bill from a physician's group. So there's a lot of bills coming in, and it's kind of hard to monitor because you don't really know what to expect. As all these bills are coming in, you know, maybe the person isn't working or they took time off, off from work due to their injuries. The mental stress really starts taking a toll on someone under these circumstances. But it doesn't stop there. Now there's negative accounts on his or her credit report because of the outstanding medical bills or the credit cards they're behind on because they couldn't work. They're receiving calls, letters, texts from debt collectors. They feel helpless. You can see how one incident, a blink of an eye, and someone's life is turned upside down. But an attorney can help. A few years ago, I handled an auto accident case where my client suffered a severe soft tissue injury. She was not at fault for the accident. The driver that hit her did not have auto insurance. She was injured, seeking treatment, and lost earnings. Her medical bills were through the roof. I think she had a $50,000 policy and $120,000 in medical bills. So uh, more than double what her actual medical bills were. She ran a daycare. She had to stop that for a period of time and eventually had to hire an assistant to help her run the business. Because the at-fault driver did not have auto insurance, we pursued an uninsured motorist claim against her own auto insurance. And they refused to pay out on the claim. This was clearly a policy limits case, and her own insurance refused to pay it. My client was upset and frustrated. She called me every week asking why they just wouldn't pay it. I was frustrated for her. Um, this is why you have auto insurance. This is why you pay premiums for coverage. And it's so disheartening that you spend all this money for insurance coverage. And when the time comes, the insurer does not have your back like they should. Her insurer wanted her to sit for a recorded statement to test her credibility to see if these injuries really impacted her life. 
um, what the severity of her injuries were, question her treatment and that sort of stuff. After I presented her for the recorded statement, which she did an absolute fantastic job at, they paid the policy immediately, even though that was something they should have just done months prior. So she had to endure those extra months without that money that you know could have put her back on her feet. But when she came to the office to pick up her check, she gave me a huge hug and thanked me unconditionally. And I wasn't going to give up until I gave her the compensation she deserves. But she is such a sweet woman. And that's a client that and her story, I will just always keep near and dear to my heart. Oh, that's so lovely. And, you know, it's so awful that these people who are getting into accidents of no fault of their own are just getting put through the ringer emotionally. And I can't imagine the mental health toll of feeling like I've been a victim of this accident. It's affecting my income and my health. And then to not be able to be financially compensated from a financial tool like insurance that you think should be able to help you out in a situation just like this. Absolutely. I mean, in some regards, our clients are at rock bottom. I mean, you've suffered a serious injury. You don't have income because you can't work. You are incurring a ton of bills or maybe you can't get treatment because you can't afford it. Fortunately, in Illinois, we have what's called the Illinois Lean Act. So in that previous case that I just told you about, uh, so although her medical bills were $120,000, those medical providers did not get the full settlement. So in Illinois, all the lien holders can only get up to 40%, which is really good. So a client can be assured regardless, you know, if they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills, um, that all their settlement money isn't going to go straight to their medical providers. And that's a huge benefit. And not all states have that. Oh, that's good to know. So I'm curious if someone needs a consumer rights attorney and is in a situation where they need one, I'm, you know, what are the situations where someone might need one? And then where can someone find a consumer rights attorney? Fortunately, our consumer rights practice is a national practice because a couple of the statutes I mentioned before, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and the Fair Credit Reporting Act, um, those cases are federal law. So we can file them anywhere. We handle cases from the East Coast to the West Coast when needed. We have local counsel on the ground, um, but we we can help pretty much anyone that needs it. And you can check out our website agrislawfirm.com. And we have a ton of information on there. I mean, we even have like templates for dispute letters. Uh, We have certain companies that we work with uh, more often than others. And so we have information about like what we see commonly with certain defendants, whether they often leave voicemail messages without those disclosures that they need. And our staff is just so informative. I, I think We have a ton of great reviews online, and it's really because everyone that works here is so passionate about helping people and putting people first um, that if you have any questions, definitely reach out to us, and we will help you as much as we possibly can. That's such great info. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, I appreciate you being on the show and sharing all of this (laughs) wonderful information. Where else can people find you? 
Um, you can email me, taylor at agrislawfirm.com. That's A-G-R-U-S-S. And you can reach me by phone or text, 312-794-7219. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free Mental Health and Money Inventory Worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a Mental Health and Wealth Hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.